Hi, this is Basha, and you're listening to Jazzes, not what you think. No, um, I was friends with uh, John Delp and Larry Stessel. I see, but I, f for the first time, I came to America in '89, so right. and, it has and to so, be late '80s. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was in the late '80s. Um, yes. You, I, I think, you know, you, you had, I think, maybe two albums released already. Oh um, yes, so the second one came out in 1990. Yeah. 90, so, yeah. And. Um, Larry's no longer in the, in the music business, uh, uh, but uh, he lives in Nashville. And I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you remember Larry. He was uh, one of the guys at Epic. Uh, oh yes, of course. I, yeah. Of course, I remember him. And, oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, we we've we've maintained a, a good friendship over the years, but um, it was it was Larry Stessel at Epic uh, that right. introduced me to you, um, oh. and I think you and I. Uh, sat down at a at a it may have been a NARM convention. <laughs> oh yes, that's true. <laughs> and, 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 and you may have even performed there. I think I think you did perform at that at that show. Yes, um, I. Oh yes, I remember now everything. Oh my gosh, it was such yeah, a long time ago. Yes, I remember. But I I'm not sure if I remember you your face. I'm so sorry. You, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I, I will I will send you a. Uh, I will send you a photo because it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, there's a photo of you and me. Uh, it may have been at, at NARM. Um, I, my hair was a lot darker uh, and okay. I, had, I had more of it. Um, and, uh, but it, was, it shows that uh, we both age pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so with that being said, um, Let's jump into this. Um, okay. You know, one of the first questions I, I wanted to ask you um, for the audience: Can you pronounce your last name? Of course, I can. <laughs> My name is Tchetchelevska. So You said that so much better than I would have. Um, <laughs> and and, um, and so, so I was introduced to you. Uh, I think it was a maybe a. A demo or an advance, and it had promises on it. Oh yes, that was a and, demo of Time and Tide album. Yes, and um, I, I think that was somewhere in the what mid eighties. Um, no, I, it was actually eighty eight. I think eighty eight. That's right. Eighty eight, and, and you may not remember this, but um, my editors and our art team put you on the cover of Jazz Is back then for that I, album. I tell you what, not only I remember it, but I also have that cover framed oh, at wow. home oh, seriously i remember exactly what i look like I, i'm wearing this gray jacket and my hands uh, around my face and it's yep. a red writing no i remember it because i have it framed because i love that cover oh thanks well well i you know it's, it's funny because you know I, I say how uh we both age well i remember actually making that cover i, I still believe it or not 35 years later, I'm still involved in the cover designs. And, Fantastic. Um, and, and I remember um, your lipstick, and, and this shows how weird art people can be. I wanted the, the metallic color of the logo to match your lipstick. 
it did. It yeah. did match it. <laughs> That's what I remember from that cover. Um, but uh, so, so I, I guess to jump into kind of the beginning of your career, how did you make the transition? What happened in your life when you went from a singer in the rock band in the '70s to this? Uh, you've been called a, a million kinds of genres, AC, contemporary jazz, Brazilian, pop jazz, swing. I heard, I saw one description of sophisti pop. Um, <laughs> well, I have no idea what that means. But um, how did you make that transition back then? Uh, I think at the beginning, uh, in the 70s, I just sang with a band who asked me to perform that material. So I really didn't have much uh say about what kind of um, music I would be playing or I would be singing, but I always knew what I liked. And my influences, my early influences were very different to rock. Although I loved rock, I, I like rock music, but uh, I feel more comfortable in what I'm doing now. Uh, but my first collection of records was really um, full of soul music, American soul music, especially, uh, you know, the, the Supremes and uh, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder. These were my real, real passions uh, at that time. But oh, I also loved Latin music. When, uh, I grew up in Poland and... Uh, we have really very vibrant jazz scene in Poland. There was an amazing festival every year where all the biggest stars of jazz performed uh, called Jazz Jamboree. Uh, unfortunately, um, <laughs> with capitalism, <laughs> to Poland came also a sort of very com uh, commercialized kind of music mm -hmm. and, and that kind of killed jazz a little bit but not as I think that fest this festival actually stopped existing maybe a few years ago but there are uh, jazz festivals uh, around Poland and I even performed on some of them uh, so when I, I remember I'll never forget when I was in my high school and I heard for the first time Jobim's songs I mean yeah. I felt like I felt like I was at home was it was a very strange feeling. I was so moved by this music, and I felt so, so I understood it. Although it was, it, I can't remember. I, I think at that time I didn't speak English, and I didn't, of course, I didn't speak Portuguese. So <laughs> that music, that music spoke to me, and I always um, loved it and, until now. And and as to, I man, I was so happy to once uh, to to actually meet uh, Astro Gilberto, who whose album I had in, I think, 60s or maybe 70s, something like that. Yeah. And, and that's why one of the songs is like a, that I wrote was a tribute to her. It was on that first album, Time and Child. Sure, sure. I remember yeah. that. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Brazilian fan myself. Uh, in fact, oh. um, you know, I, 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 I'll tell you two quick Brazilian stories. One is um, when I had a record label in the Verve group uh, with uh, guitarist uh -huh. Lee Rittenauer. And, oh my um, <laughs> and, um, and the, when we decided what was going to be our first release, you know, here we were at, back then it was Polygram and yes. we were talking about, you know, the artists we would sign. And when we met with the team and the president of the company, we said, I think our first album is going to be a tribute to Antonio Carlos Jobim. And they were like, what? We, <laughs> we give you this label, you know, we didn't need to start a label or verve and you're going to do a tribute album to a, 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 an artist that we have a deep catalog in. And I said, well, it's not going to be anything like you think. Uh, yes. We wind up calling the album a twist of Jobim, 
<laughs> and um, it, it sold a half a million units. And wow. In the jazz world, that's huge. Of course. Um, but it was just from our love and Lee Rittenauer's love of Brazilian music. And then while we were, uh, we were in Japan, in Tokyo, uh, launching yes. the label and talking about uh, a twist of Jobim, and uh, I ran into Kirk Whalem, who was performing at the Blue Note with yes. Bob James. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I said, you know, we talked a little bit, and he said, I have a new album coming out. And I said, I'd love to hear it. And he said, well, I only have a copy of it on mini-disc. Remember that technology? Yes, of course. And I said, well, I happen to have a mini-disc player in my suitcase. So he said, here, take it. So we went out to dinner that night, actually went to the Blue Note to see Bob and Kirk, um, came back to the room at about, you know, 1, 1 a.m. Uh, I started you know, getting ready for bed and I put this mini disc in and there's this track on there, this Brazilian track called Escalita. Mm-hmm. And um, I figured, you know, I know it's really late, but I'm going to call Kirk in his room. So I called Kirk and of course I woke him up and it was a uh, hello. And I said, Kirk, it's Michael. I said, I listened to the new album. Escalito is the track. Well, he just popped up and he goes, man, I'm with you. I love Brazilian music. There's something <laughs> about Brazilian music that once you get the bug. Yes, exactly. It's just infectious. It's true. It's true. I, it's, I, I never put it on the back burner. It was all, it's always there. I mean, I, it, sometimes when, uh, when I have to record a new album, I, I, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't do so much Latin music, but it always ends up to be all over the place because I, I, I'm sort of at more, most at home with yeah. that kind of, with those influences, you know. Yeah. Especially, especially, I think, uh, Jabim, because, of course, there are lots of others, and I like them, but, but he is definitely my biggest hero. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, it, it, I kind of, the way I've always thought of Brazilian music, it's, you know, when people talk about adult contemporary and urban, I think... Brazilian's a very interesting natural transition between pop and jazz. And I think yes. that's why jazz people gravitate to it. And, and it may yes. be why pop people like it as well, even though there's a lot of jazz in there. It's true, because the, the, the jazz um, side comes in harmony and uh, interesting chord changes. But the, there's always so much melody the melodies are so something very actually even poppy because yeah. that's why maybe they c- cross over so well to the pop market because they're very melodic. Yeah. So you you moved you moved to the states uh, back in the late seventies uh, and and you moved to Chicago first. Why Chicago? I didn't. I never made actually a permanent permanent move. I lived in Chicago for a year only because ah. I was working with a band from Poland who uh, performed in a sort of Polish, like a community Polish community club, ah. and and we were just invited to to be there on a contract. So all I came twice uh, for six months. So. F- Altogether, a year I spent in the Chicago, and which was very educational because that was my really first trip to America and first trip really uh, a little bit longer to the Western world. I, I hardly been outside of Poland by then. I was really young, and uh, so that was very interesting. I learned a lot, and but the best thing was this incredible access to 
every kind of music that I loved. So I I managed to see, I'll never forget, I went to see uh, Diana Ross and I saw um, uh, Jackson 5 (laughs) at that time. (laughs) And, you know, things like this. But I also used to go to rock concerts. I I remember seeing Police there for the first time. They were quite unknown, but the rock sound was already a big hit. But, uh, But, you know, just that was so easy in Chicago to see all these people. So music was the best uh, thing that I took out of the stay there in, in, in Chicago. And also, you know, I sort of learned a bit of uh, English and uh, just talking to people. I, I, I found so much. It was very educational, I'd say. Yeah, you know? yeah well, Chicago has some uh, pretty... I don't even know if they're around anymore. I remember there was one theater in Chicago that I just loved seeing shows at called The Vic. And, um, oh, knowledge. I don't know. And, and and it was. I mean, I I seen everything from rock bands to Pat Metheny there, and it was oh, just really? just a very cool place. I don't know if it's around anymore, but is, is that where you met Mark and uh, Danny? No, no, no. Um, I met Danny. They're both uh, Brits. So okay. I, after that year, I actually returned to Poland first of all, and then I met this. Uh, it's a very, very romantic story. But I met this British musician in Warsaw, living in Warsaw, and uh, I don't know, something sparked off, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I followed him to England, and uh, uh, that's that's when I started to um, sort of listen to British music and look for maybe work, um, maybe for some contacts that where I could maybe sing. And I found Danny through a music um, magazine called Melody Maker, which at sure. that time was really huge, you know. Yeah. Uh, there was a big section sort of uh, classified, and I um, and they were looking, and he was looking for a singer, so his band. So, and we were, th- this band was incredibly influenced by everything that Quincy Jones did at that right. time, you know, and, and we, uh, the whole material sounded very much like almost, um, co- not maybe not a copy, but, but very much influenced by it. And I sang with them for a little while, and then uh, we just couldn't get a record deal, and uh, Danny and I... Uh, left the band of course we know actually the band was completely broke up and we decided to continue working together so that was the beginning of mad bianco wow yeah, yeah. And, and and you did a, a you did a kind of a, a new mad bianco record just a couple of years ago isn't that correct yes 20 years after 20 or 23 years almost uh, after the first one we got together and uh, recorded this second album. I, d- I don't know why we did that, but, but we kind of miss each other, I think. Nostalgia. With Mark. <laughs> I nostalgia. And Ma- I-, I like Mark's voice, who, you know, who sang yeah, always yeah. the front. Uh, so, and Mark Riley. Mike Riley, and it was fun to record this album. I, but this time I was much more involved. Involved. I was, you know, the first album I came only to England, and I just hardly spoke English, and so I, so I wasn't very involved in in, in uh, writing. But this, the twenty years later, I co-wrote all the songs and co-produced them with them. So and now it was much more interesting for me because I was on equal terms with the boys. Uh, so we made this record, but uh, strangely enough. 
have Mark always sort of comes um, through our work because on this newest album that I'm going to release in May, uh, he, I'm singing a duet with him and he co co-wrote two songs with us. And it's funny enough, uh, two days ago he approached me and asked me to to record something with him this time. So you know we we, we seem to be <laughs> stuck together for life. Yeah. We had this long break between the first and, and the second my Bianco album. Uh, musical soulmates. I think there is something, that, especially that Latin side, because yeah. he, he did a lot of um, things with a keyboard, different keyboard player, not Danny, of course, uh, called Mark Fisher. And they had a quite successful career um, without us. But unfortunately, Mark Fisher died a couple of years ago, mm. uh, and he and and um, he, very they were they created very kind of dancey Latin, very Cuban, even lots of salsa stuff. Uh, but now Mark decided after um, Mark's pass, the other Mark's passing, uh, he decided to go more into jazz, and I really like the stuff he's doing now yeah. i heard some things very he, he's cooperating co-working with the people who are one of the best musicians some of the best musicians here in england and, and really it sounds really good so when i heard the track he wants me to be on it uh, on on i i jumped on it and i thought yep just tell me what to do uh, we're going to sort of duet and there is a plan that i would write some words for my part at least so I, i'm looking forward to it i like so that, to do something else then. is that going to be another mapianco album or well that's what i thought i i, I wasn't sure if it, mark is do, going to release it under his own name or, or uh, as a mapianco but he actually i found out yesterday that it is supposed to be his Madbianco, but now from original Madbianco, he's the only one who's left. Just like you know, like Simply Red, it's a really right, right. <laughs> Well, I, I love. I, I tell tell Mark, I'd love to hear it because it sounds really, really exciting. I think so. I really, I think that this is going to be really good, and I'm, that's why I'm so happy to, to try it. That's great. Well, the the now your latest album. Now I, I have to admit, I've only heard one track, Mateo. Um, oh. <laughs> um, but butterflies. Now it's uh, Matteo uh, has a special meaning for you. For me, yes. I mean, I tell you, this is such an unusual story. I don't, do you want me to tell you? Sure, love to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you see, I um, uh, we have a band, and uh, the guitarist in our band comes from Sicily, and his name is Giorgio Serchi. And he actually released a couple of two or maybe three um, CDs of his own instrumental music. He's also a jazz player. And uh, one of, on, on, I think on the first album, uh, there was a track called Momentum, and I listened to it and I told him, listen, I, I think this would make a good song. And he said, oh, I wrote uh, words for it, but I'm not confident uh, in singing. So I, I never showed it to anybody. And, and, he, and he showed me those words. And they were very much a subjective story of, of him playing guitar and how, how that playing makes him feel. Uh, so something about, you know, his love for guitar. And uh, I, so <laughs> me and my two backing vocalists, 
wanted to uh, surprise him and on one of the sound checks it was a few years ago now and we asked i asked him why don't you play um, momentum on guitar and he he was surprised but he started to play it and we came up to the microphones and three of us i arranged it for three voices and uh, we sang that song for him uh, his own song in, in his range, and he he really was so shocked. It was actually close to his birthday, and was I, I thought it would be a nice thing for him to do. And right. Danny Danny heard it for the first time, and he said, "What was this?" <laughs> so we explained that that was George's song, and uh, and he said, "That sounds really good. We could really uh, use this song." But Danny thought that. I should write my own words because because there is no connection with, for me uh, with uh, with a subject matter. So finally, oh God, I couldn't come up with anything. I promise you, I had this original lyric in my mind and I could not get it out of my head. But finally, Giorgio and his wife uh, had a baby. <laughs> ah, okay. There's Matteo. <laughs> Exactly, and that boy, they called him Matteo, and I just, I, I love surprising people, so I just quietly wrote this lyric, which is really addressed to them, to, to Giorgio and to Gabriela, his wife, uh, be, uh, t telling them how their life is going to change now, because the moment they look into the the kids' eye, eyes, you know, that they will completely, nothing will be the same in, anymore. So that mm -hmm. basically the story was easy to write from that moment on because it was like a letter to them. Uh, and uh, and yeah, when I, exactly, and I, when I recorded it and finally finished, we finished mixing it again in secret from Giorgio, he sent it, Danny sent it to him, I think in the middle of the night, around two o'clock or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Giorgio didn't sleep, and he heard it, and he woke his wife up, and the, and they were crying, and he was telling it was so emotional for them, they couldn't they couldn't believe what happened, and he until now he's just surprised that we used it on the album, and you know it's a single, oh my god, so it's an incredible story. Really. Well, you know, you know, his wife was going through postpartum, and he heard this song <laughs> about her, her baby. I can only imagine. What was going on in the house? Absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly what happened. She yeah. was still very sensitive about. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. great. That's great. So, so the album is going to come out in like the next week or this week or, but I. No, I actually uh, I hear that it's going to come out on the 18th of May. 18th of May. Okay. That's right. So, so that's yeah, why I haven't heard more than Matteo. I uh, think I. Th I think it from Danny told me that today, uh, if you Google the album, <laughs> you can hear the sort of like twenty second snippets of them, and people are already commenting on it. You know, <laughs> there are a few people who are quite keen on it, 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 us. <laughs> it could be a whole YouTube channel, twenty seconds of Basha. <laughs> Because I'm surprised you did, the trigger company didn't send you anything, but I'm sure you can get it. Uh, yeah, because it's on. Oh, the sound, SoundCloud is so cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll so. definitely check it out on SoundCloud. You know, Fantastic. one of the things I, I I thought that was really interesting, but I've seen it happen so many times. Um, I actually thought the album that really did it for me, uh, I loved your first couple of records, but 
the greatest I'm, I'm blanking on the title the greatest illusion it's the not the greatest sweetest, illusion. The, sweetest, the, sweetest, the sweetest the sweetest illusion um that album i thought you took to another level i am so happy to hear it because i mean and, and i, I, I know it yeah and i know commercially it was less successful than your yes, other ones that's but right. musically it was miles ahead Exactly. I, I, you see, only experts can appreciate it, and really good musicians uh, spotted it. And uh, I, when I talk to people in, uh, who, who actually know something about music, they also like this album the most. Maybe because it's, you know, everything is live, uh, the, all the instruments are live, and I think we put some kind of extra extra soul into this uh, album. Danny and I definitely were very happy with it, but as, as you say, it wasn't as successful, but but uh, but it did well. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I know it did well worldwide, and and um, yes, exactly. And, and but it, it um, you know there was one particular track on there that whenever I want to show someone a very sophisticated, even complicated song that just is musically right there, it's the olive tree. Really? Oh, I'm so glad you like this because it, this is complicated. It's got a very unusual time signature and uh, yes, and a lot is happening in, in the arrangement. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you like it. Yeah, just a just a magnificent tune that uh, again, whenever I play it for someone, they say, "Wow, that, you know, I, I hadn't listened to that Basha tune." And then it really it really lets them see an incredibly creative adventure in a song that goes in several different directions and then brings it home. It's true. It's true. It's exactly true. It was co-written. Actually, I, I, I'll explain to you what happened. Um, I have a partner, my life partner, whose name is Kevin Robinson, and uh, he. I always heard this theme, you know, because that was that part was record uh, was uh, written for his um, uh, brass project. He had a band, instrumental band, and uh, that that was that theme was so uh, infectious for me that I just took it and wrote the, the other parts and kept going crazy with arrangement and but that theme is actually Kevin's and it's and and it was a completely different title but I, I like the idea of Olive Tree uh, bringing yeah. you luck <laughs> and yeah. and and that, that's how it got, got created so I'm I knew that people will have a problem because it's uh, uh, because you, I have to tell you that that time signature is completely uh, my. Um, that's how I hear it because it was actually in straight four. Wow! Can you yeah. believe it? But I, for me, it was wrong. I yeah. love the melody, but the, the time signature. I thought it should have been broken like the way it is done uh, on our record. And and uh, and Danny agreed, and we managed to actually get it from the drummer because the drummer is very important in, yeah. in this track. Uh, actually, quite a few drummers uh, uh, commented on this song. Yeah. Because well, of the because of this rhythms change. Well, I I every once in a while when I just need a little pick me up and I'm in my car. Oh. I, just, I just put on the olive tree and crank it up. And oh, it, brilliant. It, it puts you in a good mood. 
<laughs> well, so if that's true, then then on the new album, although it's straight, it's straight swing, but I think a very similar effect you should have from the song called Bebop. So so uh, please pay attention to that when you listen to the, <laughs> the, the album. That's great. Well, th thanks for sharing that. You know, uh, I know back in uh, 2009, 2010, you you did an album. Uh, it's that girl again, and that was that was uh, an album that has we waited a long time for. I know it was. A, I went through a very tricky time, and uh, it was hard for me to work. But that's why, actually, you know, because from '94 there was a really break, a very, very quiet period in my life, and I didn't, I didn't almost work. And in two, two, around 2000, Danny and Mark Riley started to. Because Danny was frustrated that I wasn't working and I, that I couldn't force myself to sing even. So he uh, started to meet up with Mark Riley and they had this idea of making that second album together. But they couldn't do it without me. Danny couldn't. He said that, no, no, Basha has to be involved. So he um, he started to, he was very good at it. He's very sneaky, but it was a very good psychological kind of approach because what he did, he kept playing me bits and pieces without any pressure. He, kept, he didn't say, oh, please listen to it and maybe you could come up with something. He just played me what they were working on. And of course I got so excited and that I, they, he, he drew me back. They basically. sucked you back in. He sucked me, sucked <laughs> me back in. And because, because of that, in that break, until Is That Go Again, we managed to make that uh, album with Matt Bianco, that second one, you know, which yeah. came out, I think, when did it come out? 2005, I think, it came out finally, because it did take a, a bit of a time, but, but I'm, I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, I just take so much care, and for me, I, I don't want to come up with something which is just oh, just a job, you know, just to anything. For me, it has to be true, real. It, I, every song has to move me. I have to feel feel it really deeply. And it has to make me cry or, or jump for joy. Or It has to, it has to provoke a reaction. Uh, it cannot be just a, a job. Like some people just do go to studio from nine to five. I cannot do work like this. So um, that's why... It, Always there are such long breaks between albums, but um, you know. Well, I, I saw that in your live performance. I saw a, an attention to detail uh, that um, that is so refreshing uh, when you see musicians just playing beautifully. The arrangements are great, and and while you're trying to do the sort of improvisational where you're living for the moment, there's yeah. still. There's still quite a bit of uh, behind the scenes work that went into that. It's it's oh not my straight. God. <laughs> and you can a hear a lot it. of work. <laughs> a lot of work goes into it. I mean, people are always surprised how much time we take to rehearse because it's weeks, literally not days. And because because Danny and I are very meticulous. Uh, I, I go crazy with all the vocals and uh, he just pays attention to every little beat and um, little note played by instrument, uh, instruments. I am actually the same because, uh, you know, you can't just divide yourself. But, but uh, we are very much into... into I, I don't want to say perfectionism because that's impossible but we want to do it as well as we can you know yeah well you can hear it well that are you a, uh, are you a musician 
I am the worst guitarist in the world. In, in, in fact, you know, when Lee and I, um, whenever we're together and someone comes up to us and says hi to Lee, and Lee always says, oh, yeah, you know Michael Fagan, he's the publisher of Jazz Is, and they always ask, are you a guitarist? And there was a time for a while where I said yes, but, you know, when you're, when you're sitting next to Lee Rittenauer, um, it's really, really bad to say that you're a guitarist when you're at my level. He uh, is. He is one of my biggest heroes. I yeah. promise you, this guy is just a genius. And I am told, oh gosh, I can't believe that uh, that I'm so close to him through you. <laughs> yeah, well, well, so 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 now what I tell people, Basha, I collect guitars. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> and do you really? Do you have a lot? I, or I, have you many? know, I, I I do. I have I have quite a few. I, I give them to my kids, uh, and what? they I, I think they. They sell them, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, 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 I didn't know this guitar was worth that much. Maybe I'll just sell it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's, it's self-deprecating, but it's, it's hard to believe that I've been playing guitar as long as I have, and I'm still so terrible. No, uh, how, well, how do you know you're terrible? I, I think I'm a terrible singer. You know, I, we all, oh. <laughs> You know, and I managed to make a living out of it somehow. Yeah, well, I, I, well, I was one of those people I said, you know, I'm not going to make a living out of playing guitar. I'll just, why don't I talk about guitar and, and, and maybe create a magazine that includes guitarists. And, you know, they say that those who, uh, what, those who can't do teach, in my case, <laughs> those who can't play publish. Very good. Very well, good. But well, Chad is so successful. It's yes. For such a long time, and then it's still there. And it's beautiful. Thirty-five years. Uh, I started it uh, when I was in medical school. And, medical uh, school. Yep. You wanted to be a doctor. I am a doctor. <gasps> my gosh! You see, you've got so many talents. Oh it my was, gosh! It was. Uh, well, I don't know about talents, but I, but I, I started in 1983, and my with the uh, publisher of with the um, with the inventor of Gatorade. Uh, oh, yeah. we, oh my gosh! <laughs> we were all at the University of Florida, and uh, that's why it's called Gators, because the University of Florida Gators. And uh, oh, I see! Oh my God, I never knew that. That's where Gaines, uh, That's where jazz is started in Gainesville. Wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, it's, so it's incredible. So you you've got two careers completely yeah. parallel. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a nuclear amazing. radiologist, and uh, I, I deal predominantly with oncology. And uh, oh, wow. I still do it every day. How fantastic. Well, congratulations. I love when people are so have such diverse uh, interests and uh, jobs. That's fantastic. Like wow. So music is, music is hobby for, uh, really for you, is it? Or it, it depends what day it is. Uh, some, <laughs> days, some days music's my avocation. Some days it's my vocation and vice versa with, uh, with medicine. Oh. Uh, Oh, Michael, uh, please send me that photograph of us together. I will, I, I, I will absolutely. I will. I will dig up that photograph and send it to you. Please. It was <laughs> an absolute pleasure to talk to you. The oh. new album is Butterflies. Butterflies, yes, indeed. Butterflies, and it's going to be out in mid-May. And uh, we're talking to the wonderful Basha. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you.